Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with a little bit of a business legend here in Australia, Peter Hickey. He started a business many years ago. It was a a planning consultancy business back in the 90s. He also wrote a book about 20 years ago called, uh, I think it was Business Planning or Businesses Planning. And then in the early days, he created some software that helped businesses create their own business plans. He then went on to found Mouse, which is some software that touches on so many different areas of business from education to exit planning to financials, KPIs, and a whole bunch more. And I think I remember Mouse back in the day when it was offline, delivered in a CD way back when, and so much has happened since then. And he's come a very long way from a one-man band building up a multi-million dollar business that he ended up selling to a multinational. That multinational changed directions. And then Peter still strongly believed in the company's mission. So he bought it back at about 5% of what he sold it for and then begin to have, sort of began to evolve it even further, moved it online. And today he's sort of built up this great community. There's over 60,000 companies using the platform. There's 10,000 advisors in 55 countries all over the world. And it just continues to grow. Just earlier today, I was watching a, a presentation. I didn't realize this, but he was interviewing and doing a webinar with Peter Christman, who is the co-founder of the Exit Planning Institute, which I found out Peter, the Peter on the summit that is I'm about to interview, was brought the, that uh, first chapter from the Exit Planning Institute to Australia. So long story short, Peter definitely knows what he's talking about, and you want to make sure you take some detailed notes. We've got a, a mutual friend in uh, Eric Putnam and also Kerry Bolton, mm-hmm. so it's with great pleasure that I get to welcome Peter to the summit. Well, fantastic. Thanks, David. I really appreciate that intro. Uh, and it's great to be here. My pleasure. Now, uh, you're actually one of the exceptions for this summit in that I've got most people, they're delivering a very specific step-by-step system, almost like in a, a linear process. But I thought it's probably better off just given your experience to let you share what you feel is going to be most powerful for the business owners. So maybe just to start, and then I'll let you take over. If you can just share with us some of the challenges that you've seen business owners face over the years and the, the many thousands of businesses that you've worked with. And then we can walk through these nine tips that you've got that effectively try and solve some of these big challenges. I think one of the, uh, one of the things is that we start a business and we've got the passion and we want to change the world and, and we start off doing that. And, but you know what? Running a business isn't easy you know we've got a lot of um there's a lot of stress in running there's a lot of joy there's a lot of fantastic times when you build something from scratch you create something that was never there before and you move it into the marketplace you change the world effectively when you run a business and that's a fabulous side i think what what people have to remember though is that and i always say it like this running a business you know when i'm talking about my revenue one bad month of revenue is bad two bad months of revenue is very bad three bad months of revenue, you lose a house. And Mm -hmm. I I think the uh, challenges that business owners go through is it's really that stress, it's stress management. It's about putting everything together, being a coordinator, being a project planner, putting everything together, having the vision, 
and having people follow you, but doing it in a coordinated manner. At the back of you is this wolf. And the wolf is, if you don't get it right, that wolf is going to come down. And that wolf is that bank or that debt or whatever you've got that's uh, securing the business. So I think what we need to do is, as business owners, our challenge is we've got you know, things that are hitting us all the time. You know, you got bang, you know, you got, you got uh, employee issues, customer issues, systems, processes. You've got all sorts of things out there, changing environments, you've got the economy, and you've got our cash, of course. And the thing that we have to do as a business owner is we need to boil it down, to set it up clearly, set a clear path, to find out all the elements that are affecting the business adversely to set up 90-day action plans and to move just through a cycle of continual improvement. You know, and if we can do that, we've taken the business one sort of step forward. You make it uh, sound so easy. But that, that idea of that wolf at the door, all business owners feel that. And that's one of the reasons I take my hat off to the business owner because there's no real safety net there. You think no. of someone as an employee or working with someone to realize a dream and they're a little bit protected. But when it's the business owner, the buck stops with them. Yes, yeah, it does. <laughs> and yeah. they're the ones putting on the line. There are just so many different challenges and so many different fires that pop up. And, and really, a lot of business owners, they just become masters at putting out fires. Yep, yep. And if you're not good at stress, you're not good at stress management, then, yeah, it's always going to be difficult to run a successful business because you cannot escape the challenges that are going to hit you every single day. You need to be able to focus on the good. And, you know, look, most business owners, I, I take my hat off. You know, every time I see a, somebody and they, you know, they tell me about their business and I go, wow, you know, that's awesome. Have you, ever, have you ever sat back and thought how awesome that is of what you've done, what you've achieved? I know you're thinking that you're not good here and you're not good there and you could do better and that might be why we're talking, but, you know, you have done a great job and, you know, you should congratulate yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody needs that reminder sometimes. So the the tips you're going to go through, I know some of them actually relate to that the stress management and, and effective yeah, yeah. Me- measures that you've found along the way to, I suppose, smooth out that road for the business owner. Can you take us through maybe the first? Yep, sure. <laughs> the first one is you're going to get excited when I say it, but it's not what you think. The first one is take Wednesdays off. No, everyone gets excited and go, yay, yeah, let's go play golf, let's go surfing. Is that what he's saying? I said, well, in actual fact, it's not. Wednesdays, I think you need to have one day a week where you're focusing on the business. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, as a business owner, you'll get lots and lots of things. Um, you know, have you done that contract? Have you worked out that pricing? When are you going to have that date to have that launched? How are you going to do that? Or just thinking about your strategic plan. We don't give ourselves time to do it. And when we're getting hit all the time, We're trying to cram it in in certain odds and ends. So develop a system, take every Wednesday off, don't come into the office, work from home and focus on all those big things, your contracts, your strategic direction, all those big things that you sort of put off. You know, people spend, you know, sort of less time on their strategy, they spend more time eating a sandwich than they do on their strategy. And that's, that's important that we sort of focus on the business. Now, you know, you, you often hear that you've got to focus on the business, not inside the business, but put it to a system. Spend mm. every Wednesday, don't come in. And you know what that'll also do? That'll also break the week up. It'll give you a week away from employees, even though we love them to death and half of them are hearing me in the background, of course. But it gives you a week, you know, just one day of a week in which you can just focus without interruption on the things that are most important in the business. 
Do you have any tips on how to identify those biggest leveraged items or those most important things? Obviously, it's going to vary for every business and depending on the situation and what's going on. But oftentimes, many challenges, sometimes it's hard for a business owner to prioritize and go, what are the biggest things that will move the needle? Yeah, I think the simple management metrics that we use. So if you imagine a grid and you've got high impact and high priority, and what you do is you, you, you sit down with a sheet of paper and you write down, say, the top 10 things that are affecting you. And then next to it, you write down the impact. Uh, is it high, medium or low impact? And is it high, medium or low priority? And from that, you start to set a, uh, you know, sort of a priority list up and you put next to it, what will it make the company or save the company in revenue? So you're creating this little matrix. And then here's the trick, David. Mm. Most business owners, this is one thing I learned, most business owners will have 10 things that are holding them back in the business and they'll try and solve 10 things at the same time and they'll achieve very little of that. I think the, the key for us business owners is to say, well, look, there's 10 things that are holding me back. I'm going to set up a 90-day cycle and I'm going to choose one or two only. And then in the next 90 days, I'm going to choose the biggest one on that list and I'm going to solve it. I'm going to get rid of it. And what I'm doing is I'm giving myself more space and time, more space and time to move, more space and time to relax, more space and time to think about the strategy and the other things that are more important in the business. Because those things are like an anchor. They hold us back. Mm, I think, yeah, some really good insights there. And it's the same way that I view systems and processes. The whole purpose of a system and process is to create the space because the space is where the innovation happens, the opportunities start to present themselves. And the aim of the game really is to create that space. So you can actually see these things that oftentimes are there right in front of your face, but you're too busy on operations to even notice it or do anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, it's funny, when I talk to business owners on exactly that subject, we do a picture of a hill. So imagine a hill, a slanting hill, and we put a ball at the top of the hill. And if you leave that ball at the top of the hill, it'll roll back down. But if you put the ball at the top of the hill and you put a cog in, then it'll stop the ball from rolling down. Those systems and processes that you've got in place, your employees properly delegated is like that cog you're putting in to stop that ball running down. And I think when we, as business owners, yeah, as business owners, we sort of always come up with, you know, what can we do? What can we implement? How do we fix it? But if you don't put in good systems in place, if we're not focusing on employees to be able to follow through and delegate what we've done, then it's all going to come falling down on us. You know? Love it. That moves us to the next tip. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about this one. Oh, this is a good one. So the lawyers hate this one. A long time ago, so I, the last thing I want is a negative culture in the business. So when we recruit people, we look for whether or not you've got a positive mental attitude. And I actually say to you, we don't want you to be grumpy. Are you a grumpy person? Do you go up and down and all the rest? We want, we want people like that. We want people with a positive mental attitude. We set the standards right from the beginning. And the standard from the beginning is that if you work for us, you've got to be positively charged. We say right from the beginning, we don't hire people who think they're the best. We hire people that want to be the best. And so what I do is, so I set that culture right from the beginning of the interview. And so when they come, I say, well, I'm not just paying you to sit at that desk. If I was paying you to sit at that desk, I'd pay you that much. I'm paying you to improve, self-improve, to build the business. But the way that we back that up is I put in my employee contracts. <laughs> it's a clause. And the clause says, I'll read some of that. It's important to note that a positive mental attitude on your part forms part of this employment contract. 
And then the last part is, this has been a prime area of scrutiny in your interviews. We do not wish people, I can't read all that, but the clause actually goes on to say, you need to be positive in the business and that's a part of your employment contract. And that's almost becomes a little bit of a sense of humour as well in here. You know, so if you start to get grumpy or start to, everyone goes, whoa, watch out, you know. Um, now, the lawyers hate it. The lawyers say it's totally unenforceable, Pete. And I go, I know it is, but I like it, you know. Yeah. And uh, because it's part of, you know, and sometimes as the leader of an organisation, you got to set the standards. You got to say, well, you know, I, I know you don't like it and I know it probably doesn't fit with, with, with what you're supposed to have, but you know what? It sets a standard and I like it and that's why I want to run the business. Uh, kind of feels as well, yeah, it sets the, the tone for your values and the culture to the point that you'll put it into a legal document, kind of shows that, hey, we're having a bit of fun here, but we're also pretty serious when it comes to having this positive mental attitude. It would attract the right people to it because as they're reading it, that would almost be like a pattern interrupt for them. Like, oh, is yeah. oh wow, yeah. And I think, I think what you said there about values and culture you know, I first started the business, look, if, you, if you've only got one or two or three staff and you're, you're driving hard to pay the bills and, you know, it's hard to think about what's your culture and all the rest. But as you build and grow, it is really important that you start to address what is the culture? What mm. is the image we want our customers to have of us and our employees when they talk to our employees? What's the image we want them to have when they, when they look at our brand? What is the image? And, you know, and I come back to business, I think, that's really important that you know, this is a starting point for us, but it is that values and culture, which is really it sets you apart from other companies. And, and sometimes it mightn't be your price that's better than everyone, everything else. It mightn't be your product that's better than everyone else, but your customer service or your yeah. follow-up might be better and that might be your point of difference. And, you know, that could be everything. That could be doubling, tripling your profit because people want to deal with you and your organisation. Mm. It feels like, you know, it's it's one thing to say these things and let's say put it into the document and then it's another to actually live it. And I I felt like the next tip, I don't want to necessarily preempt, but this helps in making sure that people are on track. So I won't steal the thunder, but the, the next tip? Yeah, the next tip is set up a system and have a one on one weekly meeting with each of your employees. And if you've got too many employees set up team leaders. And, and the theory for that is that, you know, I'm going to have one-on-one, David, you know, and it's really simple. So the questions I ask is, David, what did you achieve last week? You know, how'd you go last week? You know, we had a couple of priorities. Did you achieve them? And then you, you said, well, look, I did, you know, and so, so it's reinforcement. And great. That was fantastic. That's right. You did that. That was fantastic. Yeah, you stayed back for that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, that sent us next week. And then what will you do over the next week? So what we ask for is we don't want to know about your job description. We don't want to know about all the things you have to do in the business. I want to know the two things that you're going to achieve this week over the next week that's going to move the company forward. And mm. so we have that and every week we go through and ask those questions. If you're in a sales and marketing team, we'll ask about your number of outbound calls or whatever, but that sets a standard. And, and what happens is, so there's, there's a couple of things that's happening here. It's really important. So the first is that you're the leader, you know what the priorities are, you bring employees in, they don't know what their priorities are. So by playing this meeting every week, we're training our staff to understand what is more important. And sometimes you get a staff member that they might be concentrating on doing a brochure up when they've got a 50 grand deal over here that hasn't been followed up properly. And, you know, like the two mm-hmm. don't match. So it's an education program. 
it's a good manners, it's a I respect you as a person program. But there's other one key thing for those that are just the mentality of productivity minded. If I have an interview with, say, eight of my staff on a Monday, and I can have each of them do two extra things per week. That's 16 extra things I've achieved. Now, I know I've had to sacrifice that Monday morning or Monday up till two o'clock, but I've just achieved 16 extra things for the company by having that meeting. The way that we work it is we have our one-on-one meetings on the, um, on the Monday. Then Tuesday morning at 8.30, we have a company meeting. And at the company meeting, we talk about, yeah, well, how do we go? Yeah, congratulations for that. Where are we going? Where are we driving and all the rest? And then because we take away half an hour of their time, on the Tuesday morning, we give that back to them on the Friday afternoon. So Friday afternoons, they can leave half an hour earlier. What we've done is we talk about one-on-one priorities. We have that one-on-one relationship where we're building that relationship. And then we have our team building almost 8.30 meeting. This is where we're going. This is what we're developing. This is what we're going. This is what we're training on. And it just connects all the dots together. And that makes us, I think, a very high-achieving, high-performance type organization. I think one of the things that I like about all of these tips and, and really the, just the way that you teach business is this idea of effectively being a collection of different systems. Everything that you've just talked about right there can become a system. So you have a system for what gets said and when you're running that catch-up one-on-one meeting. There's a system for the company meeting and it's about getting it in the calendar and then having a process for the way that that's solved. I think all of these have a very actionable point to them. Yeah, good. And they do. The next one, David, is, you ready? Yes. I'm, going to ask, I'm going to ask you a question. What sank the Titanic? The first thing that came to mind was I read this book to my son and it's Who Sank the Boat? And all of the <laughs> animals get in and it's the mouse at the end that hops in and sinks the boat because all of the other big animals get in first. And it, so well, you, you can't be saying that because our company's name is Mouse. And our, <laughs> <laughs> that's the opposite. Mouse, mouse floats the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's um, uh, the Titanic hitting an iceberg? Hitting an iceberg. And the thing is that... What sank the Titanic? Think about it. Like the top of the iceberg is, that's what you can see. But it's really what's underneath that iceberg that's the danger area. And, that, and that's actually what sunk the Titanic, it hitting what was underneath. It wasn't, wasn't the top part, it was what's underneath. And if we think of that as an analogy of our business, everyone looks at their revenue, their profit, and their cash. And, they, you know, where's that? Where am I? You know, how's that? But really, and every business owner knows, but what we've got to do is develop, once again, systems around this, that you've got your revenue, profit, and your cash at the top end. But if you look at this diagram on the left-hand side, if your people aren't motivated, then your revenue, your profit, and cash go down. So if you're motivating your people, if you're having constant training with them, if you have good customer service, you're going to improve your customers. So your number of customers, uh, your quality of your customers, that's going to improve your financials. And then down the bottom, if you've got your good systems and processes that you've just pointed out, David, if you've got great systems and processes, then that leads to a sort of better customer service, more actions, more leads, more visitors, and then that leads to better sales. And then once again, we could have everything in place, but if we're not innovating and renewing the business every six months, 12 months, whatever, then we're going to fall down. So the point here is that most businesses have a scorecard with their sales and their profit and their cash. Mm-hmm. What we should do is, is have a look what's underneath that. Yeah, very simply set up scorecards for the number of web visitors you've got coming in, your conversion rates, the number of times you write a blog post. So you, know, you talked about a system before. I know I should be getting out. So how about we write one blog post 
per month? Or how about we have one customer service training per month? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to put, or how about we spend one hour per month in a brainstorming on how we can improve the business down in the innovation. So what we're trying to do is to get KPIs, key performance indicators or goals in each of these areas and strategies that, that help to move the company forward. And what I like about the the KPIs are because you can construct a very simple dashboard with these top line metrics. Then once you watch them, you start to learn about trends and see when things are dip off and then you get a feeling and you might say, oh, that's dropped. And it's not necessarily always that number. All that does is that alerts you. Now, ah, this is an area that needs attention. We dig into, well, what are all the numbers that then make up this number? And then it helps you to start to identify the issue And then we always like to then look for the system's solution. So, okay, is there a problem with an existing system that needs to be tweaked? Do we need to install a system that solves a particular problem? Then business becomes a bit of a game. And that's, I think, where the business owner needs to operate at that level where they're debugging rather than just doing the day-to-day operations, solving the same problem again and again. They're most effective when they're strategically using these dashboards that you're talking Mm. about and using it as a way to identify and solve problems. And the key tip there is that we delegate the responsibility of putting that scorecard together. So we need to develop an Excel or, you know, like we've got a KPI dashboard product or whatever. So whatever you're going to use, you have this score, scorecard, and then rather than you being responsible for it as a business owner, because you know what's going to happen. If you're the business owner and you make yourself responsible for it, it's going to be the worst kept scorecard you know, that, that, that you have. You've got to delegate that to somebody else in the organization. That becomes part of their job description. You know, on the uh, first or second of the month, you've got to collect these KPIs. Now, they may not be able to collect it all themselves, but they go and ask the sales manager for it, or they go and ask the marketing person or Fred or Wendy or whatever it is, so they can get these KPIs together. And then the business owner then reviews it. And what would be really good is if the business owner could review that, that that becomes a formal meeting. And the best Mm -hmm. way to make it a formal meeting is to bring somebody in from the outside. Look, whether or not it's, it's your wife, your husband, your partner, whether or not it's somebody you know, another business owner, or whether or not it's an advisor or a coach that gets together with you once a month, sits down, and you become accountable. You take ownership in it. And it's, you know, it's when we take ownership, when we become accountable, that's when things happen. That's when we start to drive our business. When we let, we're a bit lapse on, on our own review and performance reviews, our own scorecard of the business review, that's when things go backwards. Yeah, yeah, that accountability. And it's funny with business owners, oftentimes they feel like there's no one that they can turn to because to open up and share with the employees, they don't want to necessarily let the team member know that the wolf is at the door. So oftentimes they don't have someone to share with and some partners are not involved in the business and they don't necessarily want to hear. So the business owners oftentimes just gets this trapped inside their head and they need, sometimes you just need the outside perspective. It's not even necessarily for Mm -hmm. someone to say, hey, you should be doing this, but rather talking it through, the solution becomes evident. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. So let's move on to the the next tip. I think the next one after that, you've got the know the marketing numbers. Yeah. So, you know, to me, I think the, um, you know, we, we talk about our business, we talk about the value of the business and we talk about system process. Everyone thinks about, you know, the CRM systems, uh, customer relationship management systems or production or accounting systems or everything else. The thing that we should have absolutely systemized in any business is the marketing. 
And to systemize marketing, we've got to know the numbers. And it starts off with, it's like that funnel as well. So we're going to know, you know how many web visitors are coming in. What's our conversion from web visitors to the inquiries? The inquiries come down. Then we have a look at the number of calls that we make. We look at the conversion rates, the meetings, the average value sale. So they're the numbers. The other numbers are how many blogs do we get? How many campaigns do we get? Not only how many blogs and campaigns and advertising and, and all the rest do we get off, but then we really should have a look at if we're targeting three different segments or types of customers, then we really got to drill down and make sure that each type of customer that we're trying to sell to we've got a campaign off because sometimes we can forget, you know, we look at the, I look at some of my clients numbers at the end of the year and I said, well, geez, your sales for that seven has gone down. And basically when we analyze it, it's like, well, we forgot to market to them. You know, like it's, it's, I know it sounds silly from in hindsight, but it's not when you get caught up in the day to day and you're doing campaigns, you're just not thinking at the level that uh, sometimes you, you shouldn't could be thinking. Yeah. And this feels like it relates back to the dashboard that you're talking about as well. Cause you're probably going to have, multiple different KPIs on here, marketing and understanding those and, and the numbers that support the top line KPIs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and all of the tips that you've given already, things like we want to assign the responsibility of the collection of that information to populate the sheet. And then obviously then someone's going to be responsible for driving that particular KPI as well. Yeah, absolutely. The next tip, David, is and a good example of this was at 7 a.m. this morning. Got my emails and uh, I get all excited when I get my emails because uh, especially when I've got some big opportunities going. I got my email this morning. I was all excited and I'm sorry, Peter, but we don't want to proceed. But was I really devastated? I learned a long time ago that when I first started business, I'd have one opportunity. I'd wait for it. You know, like I'd had this opportunity out and they'd say they'd get back to me in three weeks and I'd be sitting there, I'd be telling everybody, wow, I've got this great opportunity and I'd wait, 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 wait. And then, you know, three weeks had come and I get a phone call, either delaying it or saying, no, we're not going to go ahead. And I'd be devastated, even more devastated. So what I learned a long time ago is that nine out of 10 things that you put in play probably don't succeed. <laughs> when you know that, then you start to change the way that you think. So anyone that's ever worked with me will know that I never have one opportunity going. I may have an opportunity going, but then I'll try and drive for another one, another one, another one. So I always have lots of balls bouncing. So when that fell through this morning at 7 a.m., it took me till 7.03 a.m. to recover. And then I was up and bouncing, forgetting about that, realizing, well, that was inevitable. It probably meant to happen. And then I move on to the next three or four opportunities that I've got to re-up. So, so the thing is, whether it's 10 or whatever, always have lots of opportunities up your sleeve. Always be doing lots of stuff because I can guarantee you as a business owner and, and everyone on this call is probably listening and nodding their head, nine out of 10 things you try and do won't work. Uh, it's that one out of 10 you're banking for. And that's why running a business ain't easy. It was, it was easy. Everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be making a million dollars. It's not easy. It's hard. It takes resilience. You've got to have your balls coming up and you've got to keep you know, sort of coming back at it. And I feel like that tip earlier you gave around the Wednesday day off, which is not really the day off, it's the day to work on it, that, that's the perfect like, time to try and spot those opportunities and make sure you've got multiple in play. Yeah, absolutely. So then we can move into the next tip, tip number eight. Tip number eight. Well, I might take the screen back for this but um, in a second. But um, well, well, the first point is that we always start with the end 
in mind. So mm. when you start a business, one thing I learned is when I started the business, I thought, I thought you made all your money out of running a business. You know, I didn't realize. And then all of a sudden one day, this lovely multinational came along and bought the business out. And I realized, wow, you know, you can actually make big money out of it. This is like, it's like an asset. It's like, you know, when you put money in a bank and you, you look for the best way to grow that money and, you know, can you get a 3% or a 4% or a 5, 6, 7, 8% return on it? Well, a business is the same, but you can get phenomenal returns on a business if you're building the value of the business and you're looking at the end point. The tip to everybody is have a look at, and let me ask everyone on this call, have you got a plan to exit? When is that plan? How old are you now? How many years? And add three years to your age now to give you an age at exit. So, you know, so start to put it in reality and then think about what you'll do and build that up almost as the dream. Oh, wouldn't it be great if I could do this? Because it's only when you visualize, it's only when you can see something that that things will happen. If you can't visualize it, if you can't see it, it will never happen or it's unlikely to happen. And uh, so you're giving yourself a big advantage if you can do that. And so the tip is have a think through about your age now, number of years to exit, what you think the value of the business will be at exit. And mm. then just ignoring all of this because we haven't got a lesson on, you haven't got time for an exit on, a lesson on exit and succession planning. But think about this as well, that if you're going to be moving and selling the business or passing the business on, that you need to have proper tax planning three to four years out. You need to make sure, you know, 55% of all business owners exit from a sudden exit. You know, death, mm. disability, divorce. Disability. So you need to want to make sure that you've got something in place in case something unfortunate happens, whether it's insurance, a contingency plan for the business. There's all sorts of things. I'm happy to share that with all your yeah, uh, listeners. Yeah, yeah, why don't we send that off to everyone? Because, look, I'd be happy for them to have that and to go through it because I think it is an incredibly important thing that business owners don't necessarily do. And Sid, considering that 50% of all business owners are over the age of 55, this is something that all business owners should be doing. Mm. Um, yeah. I think um, it's an interesting one, your story with um, Mouse, and I've, I don't know how common it is because I've, I've only heard one other story like yours where there's a gentleman, um, he runs a company called uh, SiteSell, his name's Ken Evoy, he's been around for a long time in, in the web space, and he did something similar, built it up, got a very successful company, sold it, the multinational took it over, they didn't know what they were doing. In that particular instance, they, they ran it into the ground, and then he bought it back on cents in the dollar and then basically rebuilt it. I don't know how someone could plan for that situation, but you had managed to have that happen with Mouse as well. So I don't know if you've got any insights on on that, if that's something that was in the back of your head, I want to sell at some point and it was just the timing was right and whether or not the idea of purchasing it back at a later date was even on the radar. Yeah, look, purchasing back at a later date was never on the radar. It was funny because a year before I was sitting on the veranda and I was saying to my wife, imagine if we could build the business up and sell it for X. And yeah, we both laughed about it. And I think it was two and a half years later, probably three years later, I ended up selling it for, what was it, 15 times X. So it was, wow. it was like, so this huge change, and it was because the market was going berserk and you know, the market wanted what we had. We had technology and we had a good business. But you know, part of what we had to do was we had to say, well, look, we've got a good business, but 
we've got to make it look so attractive to these potential investors and buyers. And, and that's a whole, what we call a readiness program that you go through. And it's, yeah, like, so you got to tweak it. You got to, pre- you, know, you know, when you get a gift from somebody and it's nicely wrapped with a big bow and, you know, yeah. it just looks so good. You just want it, you know, and it just makes it. So you've got to go through this readiness and both a personal readiness and a uh, business readiness. So it was never on the radar. It came yeah. on the radar. I sold it. What actually happened was, and it happens to a lot of business owners, 75% of business owners that sell their business uh, that are baby boomer age profoundly regret 12 months later the decision to exit. So imagine I was 40. I think it was 39 when I sold it and 40 when I moved out. So I suddenly had achieved you know, one of the biggest dreams that I could possibly achieve at a, at a relatively young age. And, and then, but what happened was people say, and nobody knew who I was, but everyone knew who the, the business was because we had a very good brand awareness in Australia. And so nobody knew who I was. And I kept saying, well, I used to run mouse. And, and after two years at the age of 42 or 43, I felt like a has-been. <laughs> so, so I was looking around. I, I felt I'd lost something. I never realized that I, I could have lost my identity you know, so quickly and easily. And I think, I think business owners get caught up in that identity of the business and that's what they do. And if you're working 14 hours, 12 hours a day or whatever you're working per day, then you really sucked into that and you become part, you know, of the business. I, I'll often say to people that uh, this business was born before my kids. Um, so I gave birth to this business before my kids were born. It's caused me less headaches over the years and it's made me more money. <laughs> so, that's a joke. Don't let my kids hear that. <laughs> um, no, I'm only kidding. Being tongue in cheek. But you do have a uh, sort of a, um, you have your identity, you know, somewhat tied up in the business. And so when they came back and said, do you want to buy it back? I was looking for for a brand, you know, I thought they'd be joking. I offered them a ridiculous price. They said yes. I can pretend I was a hero, David, and I negotiated down at that 5%. The reality was that the business had, I sold at the top of the boom, the top, yeah. we had all our products really high tech in the right space at the right time, and, they, and I bought it back down here. So when you're buying down on this side, they hadn't developed the products any further than what I'd sold it to them for five years earlier. So, so really the business worth was, was way, way, way down. Yeah. A big part of, I don't know, you made it sound like, you know, good fortune. That said though, a lot of taking advantage of an opportunity is being well prepared and in a position to take advantage of that opportunity and, and recognizing this is an opportunity worth seizing. So I don't don't (laughs) discredit just, uh, yeah, or make it sound like it was all just, just luck. I think, um, yeah, there's, there's a little bit more to it than that. Well, good luck seems to happen to the people that work the hardest, doesn't it? So. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think this leads us to the last tip, which I think is a really important one because a lot of business owners miss it and their life just flies by. And, and, and yeah. it's, you know, especially once you have kids, like you start thinking about what there's only a limited number of hours in the day and, okay, well, you focus on some business and then you've got some family and oftentimes this next one is one of the first ones to go. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think what I had to learn was to change my routine. I was always not getting up too early, you know, getting up at seven or, or seven thirty and 
getting to work, and then I'd try and do my exercise after work. And, and that was how I originally was, you know, went through my uni days and my early days. After you get a family, that's really, really hard to do because, you know, you, you're coming back from work, you've got to see your kids and all the rest, and you've got to spend that family time. It's really hard to do your exercise after that. So, so I had to change the way I was. Exercise is so important. So if I have to get up at 5 o'clock, I've got to get up at 5 o'clock. I've got to do that one hour's exercise per day. You know, I make sure that I do an hour's exercise or at least 45 minutes hard exercise every day, you know, and I'd probably have one day off, a, a, you know, a week. But I find that just relaxes me. The, the feeling that just comes over me of just well-being and health after I get my heartbeat up and, you, you know, you had that exercise. And what I always say, and I say to my kids and, and anybody else that, like, you get stressed, the best way to handle stress is, A, to treat each day like a new game, like a game of tennis. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think about the last game of tennis, um, so you treat every day like a new game. It's game on today. And, 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 and to include in that just a regime. You've got to get a system. If you don't have a system, it's not going to happen. So whether your time is lunchtime, whether it's uh, early in the morning, whether it's like, but get a system, get that exercise in. It's so important, especially as you get into those later years. You really, that, that is so important. And, and mentally for mental health, you know, if I hadn't been a you know, strong person that was involved in exercise, I think my mental health would have been out the door, you know, with, yeah. with the issues. And, and family, you know, we've we got a lot of stresses in the family as well as with the business. So it's just, just good mental health and well-being. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've covered, yeah, quite a lot here. I think to recap, we've got the take every Wednesday off the employee positivity clause, which I think is genius. One-on-one meetings that you do weekly. We talked about what sank the Titanic and, and making sure that you think about all components of the business. Then we had the idea of the, the monthly business meetings, which was tied a little bit earlier when we were talking about what's that meeting cadence. And then we talked about knowing those marketing numbers and how that links into the dashboard, understanding that the opportunity of a lifetime probably comes around every week or so and there's always lots of opportunities and, and make sure you're opening up new ones and not just relying on one or, or two specific ones that you feel are in the hand. And we've got start with the end in mind, particularly around the exiting side of things and finishing off with the, the exercise and stress. Are there any final things that you want to mention, Peter, before we point people in the right direction to find out about more of the work that you do? Business owners do it just that they do a tremendous job out there. Small to medium sized business there. They work so hard, they contribute so much to the community, to the economy. It is a tough job. It's a very rewarding when you get it right. Business owners often don't pay themselves, you know, what you could get paid elsewhere. And I, you know, I just think it's it's about one of the things I always try to remind business owners is, you know, congratulations, you do a great job. And go back and, and think of why you started that business. Think mm. of that original passion you have and try and reignite that passion. And you know what? When you get to a certain phase and if you've got your head down and, and it's getting a bit hard and that, then have a good look to see whether or not, you know, th- this is really where you should be anymore, you know, and, and have a look at that exit side. So, but don't wait until it's so bad <laughs> that you're going to move. So, so you're building uh, something that's fantastic. Keep up the good work. Always try and um, stay positive and uh, just look at the big picture of what you're achieving. Perfect. Thank you, Peter. Definitely a wealth of wisdom there. If people want to find out more, where is the best place to keep an eye on on what you're up to? 
So the website is www.mousemaus.com.au. So that's the website. But look me up on LinkedIn. Come and connect with me and just say you're on the on the call and yeah, I'd love to connect with you. So just look up LinkedIn, Peter Hickey at uh, Mouse, M-A-U-S. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Peter. Fantastic. Okay, great. Thanks, David. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now. 